Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the All In Crypto podcast. I am your host, All In Crypto, and today I am delighted to be joined, I think for the fourth time, by John Wood, the CTO of Algorand, somebody that we absolutely love having on, somebody that there's a lot of demand for us to have on. Um, so welcome back, John. I guess a, a good place to start is by asking you how you're doing. Good, and thank you for having me on. I love I love chatting with you, you know that. Um, things are going well. We've got a very exciting roadmap for 2024. Um, just start, just kicked off the year, really, and we're, we're kind of publishing that roadmap. Um, and I think we're starting to see the fruits of the labor in 2023 um, come to bear because uh, the things we've released, like AlgoKid and other things we can talk about later, um, are really starting to see a positive impact on the ecosystem. So things are good uh, professionally and also personally. Fantastic. It's always uh, good to hear. And we're recording this on the on the Chinese New Year. So a happy uh, Lunar Year to, to each and every one of you. Of course, you'll probably be watching this after the New Year, but all the same. Um, there's so much I want to ask you. We're, we're going to dive into the roadmap and we're going to be breaking down the various stages of that roadmap. Hopefully, we're also going to be looking at the kind of future role that Algorand may be playing in the world that we're moving towards. But Something that was really interesting to me was I recently, I believe it was a couple of weeks ago, watched an interview with you and Dr. Lehman Baird. I believe I'm saying that right. I always butcher right, his yeah. name and get killed in the comment section. Um, but And you were essentially talking about this concept of DREC, which is essentially this way to be able to uh, recover in a decentralized manner your seed phrase if you lose it. And I think this is absolutely needed in the crypto space for people like my grandpa and grandma, you know, or, or people that perhaps aren't as savvy or comfortable with storing their own keys. I think this is something huge. So could we maybe explore that? Could you perhaps give us an overview of what you guys are trying to do and, and then perhaps dive into why you think this is so necessary? Absolutely. And, you know, I have to say, I really enjoyed spending time one-on-one -on -one with Lehman. He is a real gentleman and he is also an incredibly bright uh, and knowledgeable computer engineer. Uh, he's he's a really a great guy. So Lehman uh, Lehman and I were on a panel at uh, a conference uh, called CFC Samaritz uh, uh, recently, and and a few months prior to that, we we kind of came across each other um, during a call, and he said to me, "Hey, I've got this idea to address something that's important in in, in the crypto industry, and I'd like to discuss it with you because we're looking for people to kind of partner with, um, because of course." Partnership and interoperability is what makes standards broadly accessible to everyone. And so it only works if everyone kind of gets on board the train, right? And so I was like, cool, let's do it. Um, and he sat down and I was struck straight away by what he said. Everyone knows one of the biggest user experience issues with cryptocurrencies and Web3 is, of course, the responsibility of guarding your private key. I, I've had people say to me before, hey, why don't we change the way that works? Why don't we just manage it a different way? And of course, the reason is blockchain brings some virtue to an application. It brings certain qualities to your application when you add a blockchain component. Things like self-sovereignty, decentralization, disintermediation, um, those types of things. That's only possible when you are in control of your assets, when you are in control of your private key. And so great virtues comes with responsibility. That responsibility, unfortunately, as we've just described, has a big user experience burden. Because as you mentioned uh, during your, your question, many, many people struggle to, uh, to manage and, and, and secure that key on a long-term basis. 
yes, the nanas and the granddads, of course, uh, my own included, um, the moms and the dads sometimes, um, if they're not computer computer literate, but also even you know, um, even those who are working in the industry. I I, I know cryptographers, I know uh, software engineers that have that have also suffered uh, loss of assets due to losing their keys. So super critical user experience issue. Lehman's approach, or Hedera's, uh, sorry, Swirls Labs approach is that's 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 where Lehman's re representing is to build a protocol that allows us to recover our seed or recover our private key, really, in a decentralized way. So without, without relying on trusting Lehman or trusting me or trusting Algorand or trusting Hedera or trusting anyone else. And make it so that even if an individual has a catastrophic loss of that key, that they can go out in a trustless way um, and recover that key and get back, get back into business. And so I think it's solving uh, one of the most important user experience issues around Web3, but it's critically, and this is really important, it's doing so whilst being, one, decentralized. So it's not like it's relying on any on any particular bank or service or anyone you have to trust. And number two, and this really, really is, is, is what made me most excited about this, this proposal that Lehman came with, it's doing so in a nonpartisan way. What I mean by that is that it doesn't leverage Algorand tech it doesn't leverage Hedera tech or, or HBAR tech. It doesn't leverage Ethereum. It's completely agnostic to any of these chains. And so it's not biased towards any of them. And so it doesn't benefit any, any one more than the other. And so it's using standard out-of-the-box cryptographic primitives in a smart way. Um, and what you get there is something that everyone can get on board with. So even if you're a Cardano person or you're someone who loves Algorand or you're someone who's very passionate about Hedera, you don't look at it and go, oh, that's a Cardano thing. That's an Ethereum thing. It is completely agnostic to anything. And that's why I think it's going to be successful. Um, and so uh, Algorand Foundation and Swirls Labs are the uh, kind of founding uh, members. But we're out there speaking to every uh, major cryptocurrency that that, 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 that you'll know, um, talking about getting more members involved. And we have um, some structure around it. We're, we're incorporating a, a nonprofit for it. And it's, it's all uh, very exciting. Yeah, and actually, it's funny you should mention Cardano because I uh, was recently in a chat with Charles on Twitter, and actually, he was asked the question: Are you going to get involved with what Algorand and Hedera are doing in regards to the DREC alliance? And he said, "Yeah, sure." You know, he actually, I believe, sent it to um, somebody that works under him to take a look at, and he was very positive about the whole thing, and of course, about yourself. You know, uh, you, you, I know you and Charles have a good relationship as the former CTO um, of Cardano. And, and there was something else from that talk that I took in regards to the one that you and Lehman had, um, and that was in regards to this idea that it doesn't make much sense us fighting internally in the crypto space where we are right now currently. We're kind of fighting over scraps. Why don't yeah. we all come together? Why don't we all work together to get this industry as a whole and onboard those billions of users, and then we can start cutting shares up. You know, why why are we kind of fighting one another at this point? Sure. And by the way, you know, I'm I'm already talking to someone from Cardano Foundation on this, so they've already reached out. Fantastic. As um, someone I, I know from from working on my days working on Cardano uh, 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 in architecture, but um, but yeah, the conversation's on the way. And so I agree with you completely. And I don't want to sound hypo, uh, hypocritical because what some people might say, well, John, the other day you were you were on Twitter and you were you were kind of, uh, you know, teasing uh, the guys from Solana about transaction <laughs> failures and stuff like that. So 
I think there's a place for. I discourse. saw it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there's a place for discourse and a little bit of banter, of course. And and if I see chains that are doing things that I think are a bit disingenuous, I'm probably going to call it out. But of course, notwithstanding that, you're absolutely right, and we should be striving for better. Uh, and where better is being grown up um, and working together. Because you're right, uh, this industry is small. Um, you know, comparatively to other other kind of uh, financial industries, and um, we will see a lot more adoption if we work in a way where it's conducive to new people, where it feels friendly and it doesn't just feel like a bunch of football clubs or tribal, tri- you know, tri- tribalistic, uh, you know, teams arguing with each other. Yeah, I think some rivalry and competition is very healthy. Sure. But I think to um, kind of uh, shoot yourself in the foot in some cases perhaps isn't. Uh, and I did see the the whole uh, Solana thing and actually weighed <laughs> in on it quite a bit. I know they were down the other day, but, you know, we're we we, we we're not here to uh, discuss that. In regards to um, perhaps Algorand and their approach on onboarding users, we, we spoke previously in one of our interviews about the Algo kit and just what a brilliant idea that is in regards to making it accessible to onboard developers. Uh, and a broader audience, because developers are really what's going to drive value for these systems. You know, it's kind of like the internet. It was the people that built the applications that brought the billions uh, to it. And actually, Facebook, I think, had earnings the other day. And I think between Facebook's Instagram, Facebook, or Meta, I keep calling it Facebook, and I believe WhatsApp, they have over 4 billion users. Really? Yeah, that's a reality I think the crypto space will eventually end up in. And and if you look at where we are today, you know, it's 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 an exciting time to be a part of this all, I think. Um, but in regards okay. to Algorand's specific approach, I want to dive into the Algorand 2024 roadmap, which is broke into, I believe, five pieces for 2024, mm-hmm. starting with the Sicilian Defence which is dynamic round times. Could you maybe give us an overview of that? I'd like to sort of maybe because i think i think you know dynamic round times perhaps doesn't mean a lot to most people yeah uh, but i'd like to maybe break it down into quadrants so could we start with sort of q1 the sicilian defense i certainly will and, and let me just preface this with a 10 second comment which is the user experience has to be great these blockchains that are programmable ethereum algorand solana etc they are essentially platforms for running code they are operating systems Yep. We have to make it easy to build apps so that, and, and developers are going to build great apps and then users are going to come and it's as simple as that. And that's why we're doing things like AlgoKit. It's got to be easy. Okay, so uh, jumping into the, the Sicilian defense, um, and I hope, uh, I think the 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 kind of, uh, the community liked this uh, chess theme. I think it's quite cerebral and I think overall uh, it was kind of a cool, a cool play by marketing. So dynamic round times, it's a change to one of the static parameters, or was static, now it's dynamic. Um, So static (laughs) stays the same, dynamic means changes around. Um, One of the parameters during consensus is essentially, I mean, Algorand's consensus is is quite sophisticated, and so a description of that would have to go into VRFs and, and, and pure proof of stake and all of these things. But essentially, Algorand's consensus mechanism encourages the individual to run a very light computation in order to select someone from the pool of stakers to propose a block and indeed go on to select others from that same pool um, randomly, but deterministically uh, to validate blocks. And so very elegant, uh, very kind of green and and um, also very decentralized way to run a consensus mechanism. But we had this parameter that was like, huh, how long do we wait around for all of the people on the network that we've asked to vote, or sorry, asked to propose a block to actually propose it. And so it turned out we were waiting way too long. Um, 
we wanted to make sure we captured the entire proposal. Okay, everyone on the network who's proposing. But it turns out if we kind of slice off the slowest 5% and we say, hey, you know, we've seen enough proposals. We know we've got something good here. We don't need to wait for every last person out there uh, to vote. Maybe they their computer was slow. Maybe their Windows box crashed. Maybe uh, their mom turned off the Wi-Fi, right? Yep. Let's not wait for those folks anymore. By doing that and 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 basically cutting, you know, um, setting the setting the starting the bus before the last latest 5% get there, it turns out we can arrive uh, much earlier to our destination where our destination is consensus. And so essentially dynamic round times are a way to increase the efficiency, increase the block time and increase uh, the speed of Algorand simply by saying, hey, we we're good now. We don't need to wait for the slowest uh, X percent of the network. Fantastic. And this is all uh, kicking off in Q one. There's another one in Q1, which is the Roy Lopez. I actually didn't realize these were all chess plays, by the way. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> um, and the Roy Lopez is all about AlgoKit 2.0. So where are we at with that? Maybe a bit of an overview and then yeah. sort of what do you think the benefits are going to be? So to kind of, uh, the Sicilian defense is all about essentially optimizing the Algorand blockchain, I guess. Yep. Yep. It's, it makes it faster. So uh, it essentially increases TPS. That's what the Sicilian defense does. And it's already live. So we've already rolled this out. It's good. And uh, we have block times from, it was at 3.3 seconds. It's now around 2.8 seconds. Wow. And we haven't even squeezed all of the juice out of the Sicilian uh, defense. Uh, and the connection there, of course, is Sicilian oranges. Um, yeah, I was going to, I was actually just about to say, you haven't <laughs> squeezed all the orange juice yet. <laughs> My business partner's actually uh, Italian, you know, so. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah, great guy. Um, just like Silvio, uh, who recently won an award, I think, yes, a couple of days ago, I believe. Yes, he did. He had another accolade to add to his 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 his, uh, his hoard of accolades. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So we can actually go lower on the dynamic lambda. We can make it even even faster. Wait for less people, but uh, in in a sa- in a completely safe way. But we're just we're 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 taking kind of very uh, we're always very cautious when we're making changes to the network because you want to make, make sure that everything's cool. Um, Okay, so that's that. It's it's live next month. So I so the the Roy Lopez is Algorand two is hitting us next month. It's in it's in open beta at the moment. You can go and you can try it. But Brilliant. essentially, uh, Algorand two point I mean, there's there's tons of stuff in there from quality of life to features. Um, it extends the Algorand CLI, the command line tool, to help you build, test, and deploy. But the killer feature launching next month in Q1 uh, in, uh, I would say, last week of March, is that we're going to bring Python-based smart contracts to the to the Algorand uh, platform in production. And so you will be able to write your application on Algorand in Python natively. And wow. it is it is going to, I think it's going to be the most game-changing thing we've done in developer tooling. Um, it means that you don't have to hire a PyTeal developer or a Teal developer or someone who knows the the assembly instructions of the Algorand virtual machine. It means that you can hire regular developers, get your app to market quickly. It, it will reduce costs for go to market. It reduces costs for maintenance because now you just need a normal Python developer to maintain your code. Um, and I think most critically, it opens Algorand and makes it more inclusive. Forget about the money. Forget about the go to market. Even if you're just a kid. Uh, you know, you're you're a young person. You're just you're just starting off. You're just playing with these things. You're you're uh, 12 years old, 15 years old, whatever. Um, it makes it easy. It makes it accessible. Now people can just learn about Algorand, and maybe they learn today, and in five years' time they launch something that's really really important. And so it breaks down the barriers. Uh, it it reduces the, the the steepness of the learning curve, 
and uh, we're very excited about it. Yeah, I'm very excited about it as well. It's If you look at some of the people who have founded the killer applications on the internet, they weren't particularly the most, a lot of them were kids that were just playing around on the internet and then have stumbled across something. And it kind of opens up the the world of possibilities, I think, AlgoKit uh, 2.0, which which I'm very excited about. I, I, I speak with a lot of um, companies that are trying to maybe, gaming companies that are trying to onboard and look to utilize blockchain in some way, shape or form. And the pain point for them is, okay, we have to go and pay a developer, a specific developer to do all this. And actually, uh, with a lot of sort of Web3 gaming uh, companies now, what they're all racing to do and it's top of their priority is to essentially create SDKs and APIs that will allow onboarding a lot easier. And I think I think that's kind of maybe a specific area in the crypto space, but a broader parallel perhaps for AlgoKit 2.0. You know, it's making it a lot more accessible. Very much so. And by the way, it's, we're not stopping at Python, by the way. By the, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. This is a bit of alpha here for your show, but by... By the rollout of AlgoKit 3.0, which is which is scheduled for uh, the end of 2024, yep. uh, we'll also have support for TypeScript. And oh, well. whether people will will know this, it depends on on, on your audience. Uh, some of them will be developers and they'll be familiar. But TypeScript, alongside Python, are two of the most popular programming languages in the world, and some of the most expressive and powerful programming languages in the world, especially for writing things like smart contracts. And so. At that point, we'll have captured everyone. Uh, I think yeah. from the develop from from the Web3 developer e- ecosystem. Yeah, no, I'm very, very excited. And this is all happening Q1. If we move on to Q2 to Q4 in the uh, Algorand roadmap, you've got the Queen's Gambit, which I'm sure everyone will be familiar with that chess move based on the Netflix series, I believe it was. Uh, And this is the non... um, Archival Relays. Am I saying that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No worries. Probably so this not. one's an, this one's an easy one. So not easy to pronounce, but 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 easy to explain. Yeah. But I love that show. I don't watch a lot of TV because I'm more of a kind of a YouTube person. I just kind of sit on my phone more, you know, Same. more. Yeah. But like I watched that end to end, the Queen's Gambit. It was actually uh, really really quite great. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, at the moment, we have relays in the network. They're, you know, we're obviously moving away from relays to a peer-to-peer thing. We talk about that later. Um, yes. But, but we want to make the network more efficient. And right now, those relays, every single one of them holds a full copy of the blockchain. Well, it turns out we don't need that, okay? We can have some smaller percentage of them hold a full copy of the blockchain, whilst some of the others just do the data propagation. They just act as actual relays. They just, like, relay the message um, without holding the whole, whole chain. You might think, why bother doing this? Um, answer is provisioning computers globally uh, who are, sorry, which have very large SSD space. So like I say very large, not like Solana large, not like hundreds of terabytes, but let's say two or three terabyte disks is expensive. And so we wanted to just reduce costs for relay runners. And so um, by doing this, uh, by making these non-archival relays or like light relays, we've essentially dramatically dropped the amount of spend that the foundation has to, 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 uh, do on uh, relay nodes, and so it's just again being leaner, being greener, and uh, spending less, and really so, optimizing. Yeah, optimizing exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next one we've got, which I'm going to definitely butcher after the Queen's Gambit, is the Rati Riti. How are we saying that? I had to Google it. Uh, I even Google like there was a dude who was explaining it as in chess move totally separately on, on okay. the internet. Apparently, yeah. it's apparently it's Reti. Reti. So yeah. we've got the Reti next, which is the consensus incentivization. Let's talk about what this is all about. Yeah, this is an absolutely enormous one, man. This is this is huge. So 
so like for folks who are listening most blockchains you know the, the secret sauce of blockchain is this idea that you have computers all over the world they all have a copy of the chain they're all that that's the decentralized piece um so no one's in charge but you excuse me but you have to keep them all in sync right you got to make sure that they all have the same copy of the blockchain and, and when a new block is added they all have to update that new block and validate it well that action is called is known as mining on bitcoin it's known as block production on on, on ethereum and, and and on algorand and cardano and proof of stake systems and usually the act of mining or producing blocks which essentially by the way is validating transactions and and, and putting yep. them in a block is usually paid, right? It's usually something, it's an activity that the, the protocol will reward participants for. Why? Because you got to run a computer. you got to run a piece of software. It's got to be on all the time. It's got to be doing some work to validate transactions, create the blocks and send send data. And so those things are not free. Um, Algorand's thesis uh, up to this point had been that block production or execution of consensus would be done altruistically. What we mean by that is the holders of the Algorand token would want to stake it to secure the network because they have the token. And so if I have like a million dollars, um, I'm going to want to, if I'm a big, you know, a big, a big holder or a VC or something, I'm going to want to make sure that I secure that million dollars by staking it. Um, empirically though, from, from, from watching the chain over time, we're just not seeing enough people yep. get out there and stake altruistically. Now, why is that? I, I mean, I don't know, but I, I would say there's some friction. Okay. It's not, it's not completely trivial. It's not like you open an app on your phone and just click a button. Instead, you know, you got to, you know, fire up a, a Windows computer or a Linux computer or a Mac computer. You got to download some software. You got to run the software. You got to issue a participation key. There's a little bit to it. And so we've taken the decision that the future of the network, and this dovetails really well with peer-to-peer -peer because with peer-to-peer, -peer, you need lots of nodes or you want, you want, a, you want a density of nodes that, that's high. And we'll talk about that in a sec. But we've taken the decision that it's healthier for the network to be more decentralized and more secure if we start to pay participants in consensus. So if the protocol rather starts to reward directly or incentivize directly the people who are executing consensus. And so I've just put out a, a white paper on this. So there's a kind of, it's like 10, 10 pager or 11 pager. Um, it's co-authored by myself um, and my colleagues at the foundation and indeed colleagues at the Inc. It discusses this all the way through, you know, from this, from the, the change in the thesis to the technical implementation to some of the, the gaming angles that this introduces. Because when you make changes, you introduce new threat threat vectors. Yep. And so how, how we're going to mitigate those 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 security concerns. Um, and I've also uh, released as well a, a, a Loom video. So, you know, a recording of me talking through the paper in, in, in normal language to so it's understandable by people who are, who are not technical or don't have a mathematical background. Um, but we think that by incentivizing consensus in, in a meaningful way, we will not only see uh, an explosion in the number of nodes that are running on the network decentralizing it, but also an explosion in the amount of Algorand that's staked protecting uh, the network. The more Algorand that's staked, the more secure the network is. And just to kind of frame it and give some kind of like kind of uh, reference, about 26% of, of all Ethereum is being staked at the moment to securing yep. the Ethereum. On Algorand, it's actually more like um, fifteen percent or so of of the Algorand uh, that that can exist, and so we want to see that kind of double, and we're not going to see it double uh, without paying people to get involved, and so that's the that's the thinking, and again, 
it dovetails perfectly with the last part of our roadmap, which is peer-to-peer, -peer, which we can talk about in a minute. But I think it's maybe one of the most exciting changes Algorand's seen. And critically, it now gives people a reason to hold Algorand, to buy Algorand, and to stake it, to secure the network. Um, and I think it's going to increase the adoption of Algorand uh, globally. Yeah, I think this is huge. Absolutely huge. Uh, I mean, everything we've spoken about is, is a big deal. But this, in particular, at the moment, really stands out to me because... If you, you know, you kind of need to prod people in a certain direction. Um, and, and with these proof of stake systems, the actual staking and the participation is 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 central to their decentralization, their security, and everything that comes with it. Um, so do you know roughly to extend from that what the kind of rewards are going to be set at? Or that might be very hard to so is it going to be flexible? Is is there any kind of a, a blueprint in regards to that? I know you mentioned the white paper. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, yeah, so the white paper. Um, so, in terms of the percentage yield that you might get, like if you have a, if you have a, like a, a thousand algo, what yeah. might you expect to receive in, in a given year? I, I don't know yet, and it's been handled okay. by people who are on the finance side. But to, indicatively, I would say um, we're going. Um, so you might think, well, where does this money come from? Because it's proof of stake, and so it's of there's course. no there's no issuance of new coins, right? And so the answer is um, fees and an extra sum of money that the foundation are going to contribute. And I'll, yeah. I'll talk to, through this. So the fees, of course, is the number of transactions multiplied by the fee for those transactions. And as volume goes up, as we get more adoption, and by the way, we do have more adoption. I'm, I'm proud of this one. So hopefully I don't get, let's see this. Uh, I'm going live on my browser here, but like- Yeah, um, no worries. Yeah, no, I, I, I have been watching the uh, some of the Algorand stats and across the board, it looks healthy. And this is, yeah. in fact, throughout the entire, what we would call bear market, i.e. price going down for a sustained period. Yeah. Algorand's been ticking up on a lot of metrics, which is contrary to what perhaps the prices or leads people I, to believe. When, when I joined the foundation like a year and a half ago, the TPS was at 12. And then at the lowest point, I remember seeing it was at seven. And the TPS like right now live, and I did this yesterday or I did this on maybe on the Coop show as well. Like it's at 140 transactions a second, right? The second, that's a 10 block average. And right. so, you know, that's, that's significant. Um, and so... Over time, the fees will become more meaningful. Volume grows. Uh, maybe the maybe the fees tick up a little bit. I mean, not not to like dollars or anything like that, but like to yeah. like we're at, we're at like a fraction of a fraction of a cent right now. Maybe if the fee was like half a cent or something, all of a sudden these two things combined, you have meaningful um, funds to throw at, at uh, consensus runners. Um, but in the short term, we recognize look, there's some fees there. They're probably not enough to see the increase we want to see in in, in staking. So the foundation are going to take a chunk of money. Uh, it'll be measured in hundreds of millions of 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 algo. So to put yep. that in perspective, you know, it's, it's going to be meaningful. It's not going to be like a million algo. It's going to be hundreds of millions of algo. Um, it's not fully decided yet, but it'll be in that ballpark. And so this should give a good yield. It should give like you know, uh, I don't know, three, four, five percent, maybe. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how it'll how it'll work out, but a meaningful yield for for getting involved in staking. Um, in the white paper, I do describe like one of the. The chapters in the white paper describes the emission because we want to basically, you know, there's the fee bit and then there's the bit from the foundation. It all goes into one big pot. And as the person who proposes the block, you get just a single payment. You don't get like two payments. So we want it to be a good user experience, even at that level. Um, and so the person who proposes will get a single a single payment. There is a function that defines this over time because like over time, sorry, I should do this. You can't see it like that. Okay, so yeah. so over time, it'll start off like paying this much and over a couple of years, it'll slope yep. down and kind of exponentially decay because eventually we want to get down to just the fees. And so at the bottom of this curve, at the bottom of this slide, it's just the fees. And like right now, we're going to supplement for a couple of years and so, and slowly tail off. And so 
we think we have a good design for this. Um, I guess, you know, the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating and you, you never know until you roll this thing out. But but I'm yeah. excited about it. Very exciting. Very exciting indeed. Uh, certainly for, for stakers, for node runners, people that run nodes. You know, I run nodes on uh, multiple different blockchains. I'm sure Algorand's an arena that perhaps we can look to step into. And, and that might take us perfectly onto what is or looks like, apart from Algo Kit 3.0, the last part of the roadmap for 2024. And that is the Kappa Blanca variation, which is the peer-to-peer gossip network. Let's maybe yes. dive into that. So, so okay, we, we, so we roll out consensus incentives. Boom, we have an increased stake. We also have, by definition, a larger number of nodes in the network. Yep. And so one of the criticisms of Algorand, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's completely, by the way, I think it's a reasonable criticism, but I don't think, I think it was a little bit unfair because of the nuance of it. One of the criticisms was, well, blocks and transactions in Algorand don't kind of go from node to node, like a spider web all over the place. Like instead they kind of, the consensus operators or the participation nodes or consensus nodes, whatever you want to call them, the, the computers running the, the consensus algorithm, send it to a ring road or a super fast highway that, that circles uh, all of the other nodes. And so there's this kind of super highway of, of information. And so people go, huh, well, who runs those computers? Because, okay, anyone can run a consensus node, but who's running these, these super highway of computers? The answer is that the Algorand Foundation are currently predominantly paying. I mean, there's some other people who, who run them, but we're paying for the for, for people to run those nodes. Now, there are about, I don't know, 12, 15, 18, I'm not exactly sure, but like I, when I approve the invoices each month, it's like, you know, uh, oh, certainly over 10 uh, entities that run these things. And so it's not centralized, either geographically or by a company or via a data center. It's all over the all over the world. But, you know, people are right. That is a point of centralization, because if the foundation stopped paying for those relays, then uh, or maybe we, t we you know, I don't know, we we ask these companies to turn them off, then there will be problems with the network. And so we want to mitigate this. We want to make Algorand completely community driven, community owned and resilient, like a like, you know, this expression cockroach protocol Monero style, which is that like it can survive a nuclear blast, right, where it doesn't matter if the Algorand Foundation doesn't exist. It doesn't matter because it's the individuals. It's the people out there who are running the nodes and they just talk to each other. And so that's where we need to get to. And so that is peer to peer. When we get to a place, which by the we will by the end of this year, where the individual participation nodes or consensus nodes talk directly to each other, like a spider web of information, like a, a neural network of, of information flowing, the relays no longer are required. And so then you're in a place where uh, the network is completely decentralized, both from the point of view of consensus and block production, but also from the point of view of data propagation. And so whatever lens you then uh, look at Algorand under, it is functionally decentralized and it is uh, true to the value proposition of, of crypto. And so this works great and marries really well with, with consensus incentives because by definition, we're increasing the number of nodes and then those nodes are all able to connect to each other. And so 2024, if you look at it holistically, it is a year of change, a year of focus on user experience and, and the betterment of user experience. It is increasing the decentralization, security, and resilience of Algorand through consensus incentives and peer-to-peer. -peer. And ultimately is, I think, stamping Algorand's place in what I hope is the top 20 cryptocurrencies uh, in the world. Um, we'll have to see if the market reacts the way I think that they should, uh, but uh, there's no reason not to love what we're doing. 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, I really do think so. I mean, it, it's a huge year, right? By all accounts, from a number of different points of view, um, you know, we, 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 we've really wrapped up pretty much the entire roadmap. And I'm sure there will be things thrown in here and there as we go throughout the year, you know, that might need fixing or re-looking at sure. and stuff like that. Um, but what a huge year. I mean, it's it's yeah. a mammoth task. I'm sure this stuff has been kind of uh, worked on going into this year, and 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 you know the kind of rollout of it is is looking to take place in 2024. But this all leads to the ultimate goal of these systems of becoming adopted. You know, we're we're still in a very um, childish state, I guess, in regards to the space as a whole, and we're growing. You know, and and, and as we grow. Um, more and more people hopefully come on board. More and more things change. This this vision that you guys have gets closer and closer, and that is really going to lead me perfectly onto my next question. You know, we have spoken about how it was the developers on the internet that brought the billions of people. Yeah, I want to talk about Algorand and some ideas of what you think pillar use cases built on top of Algorand could be. Mm. It's a great question, and you're right. Um, Web three, and I, I'm not a big fan of that term, as I've kind of said before. But um, yep. because, because I'm as a software engineer, there's no like hard line between Web one and Web two, is there? I mean, like, no. yeah, sure, it's like AJAX and reactive stuff, and like, you know, live dynamic dynamic content and stuff like. But like, software is always getting better, nearly in a continuous fashion. Of course, with commits, it's discrete, but like, you know, it's essentially like this flow of like just better and better engineering. Um, and so what Algorand and other projects like it bring to the world of computer engineering and bring to the world of general computing is a platform for execution of code, which is code that when run can be trusted. And this is really important. And so there are a whole bunch of different classes of application that really benefit from, from that virtue. Um, I think it's a little bit like, in a way, it's not it's not possible for me to predict uh, all of the the wonderful use cases because, of course, it's like saying, well, what will what will be you know, if you're back in in, in 1999, you might say, well, what are the killer apps of the internet? And the answer yep. probably is Spotify, Netflix, Amazon. I don't know. Uh, Whatever YouTube else watching cat memes and stuff like that. You yeah. could never have envisioned it, right? <laughs> yeah. Or even just like, I remember having to call my family in the United States when they were living over there and it would like, you know, be like a, a, like $5 a minute or pound a minute to call the United States. Like, and, and now we just think we expect ubiquitous private communication. I mean, you and I can have a private phone call on like what, like five platforms, Signal, yep. WhatsApp, iMessage. What, I mean, it's incredible. So, if you surmise then what 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 the what was the kind of like one of the kind of themes of 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 the killer app for for the internet it was giving the individual i think a platform it allowed people to start a business uh without without permission it allowed people to have a soapbox to stand on where they could express themselves um it allowed people to to exist without someone giving them a platform to do so um, and to, to create a business and other things like that. And I think it's very powerful. I think the the broad themes, like the broad stroke themes for, for, for Web3, or as I like to more accurately say, I feel um, decentralized platforms for, you know, decentralized operating systems. Okay, that's maybe how I'll put it from now on. Like, because that's what Algorand is. It's a decentralized operating system. It runs code. It just runs it in a, a decentralized way. 
The broad stroke themes for, for that technology are disintermediation, I think, is, is probably number one. This is like removing the middleman, okay? And, and this comes in many forms. Maybe it's that you can auction your own digital assets. Maybe it's that you and I can... Uh, I can buy a concert ticket from you or, a, 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 you know, a festival ticket or a gig ticket from you. And I, I don't have to worry about you being a tout or you forging it because I have assurances of of, of the correctness of, 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 that, of that transaction. Maybe it's, you know, peer-to-peer -peer sales of insurance where maybe the individual can insure their neighbor rather than going through another broker or something. Maybe it's, well, DeFi is the classic example of peer-to-peer -to -peer tra peer -peer trading rather than going through a, through a, through a trading house. And so disintermediation is one of those beautiful broad stroke themes. And I think it's very important because you know what? Like Ticketmaster is shit. Like, yep. you know, it's a horrible business model. And and the same with like airplane tickets, like a Travelex. Um, yep. They have managed to basically, you know, tokenize, uh, you know, airline tickets. And that's super important. And so you then have peer-to-peer -peer sales, aftermarket sales, the whole lot. And, and all whilst enjoying complete trustless a trustless environment because of the decentralized nature of the platform so that's one another one i think and again like i, I don't know i mean maybe i'm wrong but these, these this is what my good instinct is having worked on this stuff for a while another one is applications around self and so whether it's self-sovereignty as in like you know you own your assets you own you're in control of the movement you you were truly you know uh what you know you have the um complete autonomy or, or, or and control over your assets or whether it's the self of uh, self-sovereign identity so that you own your own identity you're able to marshal and 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 really um restrict and allow uh people to interact with that identity in, in a way that makes sense for you the, that's a very important thing and i think that we're going to see the entire class of application built around or leveraging that self-sovereignty and also you know another one final kind of stroke and there's there's a whole bunch of these i've kind of thought about for a while but is provenance and veracity so what you know veracity the truthfulness of, of something and, and the provenance you know like where did it come from is it legit and so i think chain of trust is of course a classic example of where blockchain works well and so this idea that hey i'll be able to verify that my expensive uh, handbag or diamond diamond ring is is, is real uh, my christian Louboutin heels my my uh i don't know even um, my rolex and and so uh not that i have any of these things i'm using an Apple yeah. but but yeah. like um you know these the, i think that that's an important thing uh so yeah um they're kind of my my my, my broad ideas and one last thing i'd say is that there's something important about the internet. It's enabled permissive peer-to-peer -peer private communication, essentially. And I think that blockchains and, and, and platforms like Algorand, they bring um, the ability for the individuals out there to have complete control on their financial freedom. And so that is an important thing. And maybe right now that's a small part of the market capitalization or usage of, of Algorand and other, other projects like it. But that is the promise of these things. The promise of these things is that you will be in a world where you uh, don't need permission to open a bank account. And that's a very powerful concept.
That's huge. Absolutely huge. You mentioned provenance there. I mean, there's so many applications for a distributed global ledger, right? You, it's impossible for you to cover them. And there's some areas that might seem bigger now than others, but we'll have yeah. to see how that kind of race goes. One, one area uh, I'm particularly interested in is this concept of deep in decentralized physical infrastructure. I think it is as big a narrative as Bitcoin in regards to decentralizing money. I think this idea of decentralizing the cloud lords, the techno-feudalistics, uh, the techno-feudalists, um, I think that's so needed. Um, and provenance, one thing that these blockchains offer, actually blockchains and AI is like a perfect marriage, right? Because sure. you can kind of restrain in some ways the these AI systems. Uh, if you look at the kind of knowledge pools, we had somebody on uh, a few weeks ago and he was talking about a, a decentralized knowledge graph. Yeah. Google uses knowledge graphs. You know, this this concept is mind-blowing, you know? Yeah, totally. You know, um, I think two things. I think one, you're absolutely right. I, I, when, when you say DeFi, you, you mean like this kind of like, like did like as in like uh, Wi-Fi, like decentralized Wi-Fi access. Yeah, so, access. So, so, yeah. so so deep in it could be uh, Wi-Fi infrastructure, telecom infrastructure. It could be cloud storage. It could be compute. Yep, for yep, example. Yep, yep. I think compute is going to be a huge one. I think like peer-to-peer -peer compute privately is going to be a huge one. And and again, that's disintermediation. You're removing the Amazons, right? Absolutely. And actually, if you look at a lot of blockchains, there's this. In some ways, hypocritical feature, but in in, in many ways, not because it, 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 they're still decentralized. You know, if you look at something like uh, Ethereum, for example, a yeah. large part of Ethereum's nodes are on Amazon. If you look yeah. at Cardano, it's thirty percent of their stake pools utilize Amazon Web Services. I'd say it's the same for Algorand. I haven't looked uh, recently, but it's a good chunk is on M one of the products. Most of them, I think that's fine. I don't think it really compromises things too much. But this idea of taking a lot of the kind of institutional infrastructure and decentralizing that. Actually, the amazing thing for me is it's not just a gimmick to have decentralization because it's cool. It makes it more secure in a lot of cases, way cheaper if you look at pricing for, you know, there's projects like Flux and, and, and others out yeah, there. You know, th this is a whole, um, I think, category that's emerging out of the crypto space that's just so underexplored. And we were looking into cross-network, which I think are have something going on with the Algorand Foundation, perhaps. Um, you know, I'm very excited to see this. I mean, is that is that an interest of of yours? Because I think we both agree that compute is going to become like the oil of tomorrow, the commodity of tomorrow. Absolutely. You know? I, I've I've said that recently to someone internally. I think that like um, decentralized compute. Like he said to me, like data is like the seeds. I think, and he, I was saying, like decentralized compute is like the agriculture of of, to, of tomorrow. I think it's 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 huge. Um, Especially as we now have techniques like homomorphic, uh, you know, homomorphic uh, technologies that allow us to maybe allow allow a problem or a, computa a computation to be uh, essentially represented with a private shards, encrypted shards, and dispatch that decentralized, have it worked on by many different people. Excuse me, who are doing computation but don't really know, or sorry, essentially do not know um, the the data which with which they're working. Or the 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 combined result. They are on a black box. They've just kind of they're just doing. They're moving their arms the way they've been told to move, and and then it comes back. You reconstitute it, and then you have the private result. I mean, I think it's like one of the holy grails of 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 the modern computer age. Um, it's incredible. It's uh, it, it, this whole movement. I mean, it's far beyond. We we often uh, troll the Bitcoin maxis, although we think Bitcoin's very special and sure. miracle esque in regards to it, it, its nature and where it is today. Um, you know, 
to just say that it only has one application, a distributed ledger, Hal Finney himself said, actually, there's many applications for a global ledger, you know? I totally, um, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. On your, on your point about AI and blockchain, you know, I think this is really interesting. I'm going to confess. I used to hold this theory that, uh, or thinking uh, that was, that, that, that was, that AI and blockchain were quite separate. And I'll tell you why. Because blockchain, of course, a decentralized database that stays in sync, all very cool, and, and can run code in, in a you know in a trusted way. And then AI, essentially, you know, um, and I'm not an expert in AI, but uh, you know, it's, it's a, a neural network um, model, uh, you know, uh, weightings, you know, essentially a a convolutional network that's been trained to, to for pattern analysis and other things like that. And of course, transformer models and other things like that have revolutionized uh, with generative AI. We've seen we've seen some, a, an explosion in terms of usefulness there. But I saw those two things as disparate. And when people used to say to me, hey, maybe AI and blockchain join together, I used to think, um, well, I can't ever see a transformer model being run in the context of a smart contract. Maybe you'd have an oracle that would dial out to the internet and Ask a, a GPU farm somewhere to 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 run to run the neural network on some input data, but I I I could never see them really being too too connected. But I've changed I've changed my my, my view on this. Um, I actually think there's there's kind of and this is kind of a little bit fuzzy because I haven't thought through it properly. But there's kind of two two things I think are important. Number one is as we move to a place where we can trust less and less things with generative AI, you don't even know what you're looking at. I mean, I've seen pictures that I thought were real. I mean, the Taylor Swift thing yep. is re recently is, is an example, but also I've seen like politicians put in places that actually it looked photorealistic, but actually it was, it was generative and the generative art is getting so good that you can't even tell by the fingers anymore. Right. It's like, it's really good. Um, same with like video, same with audio, even more so with audio. You can, there's scams going around now that like call your, your parents and put your voice on the phone. And so. Yeah. And Scary. So, so I think blockchain might have a part to play in terms of the veracity of, of those types of things. Because if you can prove that a photograph um, existed from a certain from a certain provenance or, uh, you know, some digital asset existed with a certain provenance, that helps people um, discern what's real and what's not. So I think that might be a play there. But secondly, maybe closer with AI, um, there's a project uh, that Eric Voorhees is currently working on. I was chatting to him briefly about it at CFC Samaritz, which is called Morpheus. And the idea is... In the United States and in Europe as well, this is not just a bash the United States thing. Um, uh, AI models with over ten billion parameters are, are being seen now as as kind of nearly weapons grade. Okay, a bit like cryptography back in in the nineties, there was kind of this thing of like you couldn't export strong cryptography in your application because it was essentially like munitions. And so, governments are trying to, rightly or wrongly, I don't I I I, I don't know uh, uh, really, but um, it feels like censorship to me. It feels like they're yeah. trying to. Uh, make it so that people don't have access to these large models unless they're they're controlled. And so this is a philosophical thing, I guess. It's like, you know, should we allow people have knives? Should we let people have guns? I mean, there's lots of things there, but but I don't like the idea that software is restricted like that. And so a blockchain will have the ability to help decentralize the distribution of these models. And uh, indeed, um, I think, uh, protect people from that level of censorship. And so you'll be able to, in a decentralized way, store your your, your weightings for a particular model um, in computers all over the world. Ensure the veracity of that. Um, ensure you're getting it from the right source using digital signatures. Um, be able to obtain the model in a decentralized way and ensure that the proliferation of software doesn't get stopped by governments that have, um, you know, just basically made up their some policy that that may not be congruent with uh, what's right for people. And so, 
I think that this is uh, very exciting. So I've changed my mind. Uh, blockchain and AI, maybe uh, they they do marry well together. Yeah, I'm very happy to hear that. We had Barney Mannering, who is a computer scientist uh, working on Vega Protocol. We we spoke about this, and he was saying that um, you can take 10 million iPhones and you can run a pretty decent AI system on that, um, a, a generative AI system. He said if you get to 100 million and then you start to talk about a billion, you can actually compete with the likes of OpenAI and the power that they have and, and everything. And we're just talking iPhones here, let alone all the other devices. So this is going to be huge. But I think it's it's it really huge. is. It, it's going to be absolutely huge. Um, so I think this stuff is important. I think of the idea yeah. of, of self-sovereignty, decentralization, censorship resistance, permissionless nature of, of these things, I think they're things the world needs. Um, yep. And I'm excited to be part of that journey, you know? Just like the world needed Bitcoin, I, I truly think, I think the world needs the the extension of that in regards to decentralizing what is right now monopolies. Um, you know, the, I mentioned the word techno-feudalism and, and, and stuff like that, which is kind of a little bit dark, but very interesting uh, topic. The last thing I want from you, John, is where do you see Algorand in the next 10 years? Just a quick overview. Where would you like Algorand to be in the next 10 years? Yeah, good question. Um, like some of these are easy things to say and harder things to do. Of but, course. Um, but maybe with, with the following properties. Uh, functionally secure to the point where the cost of attacking Algorand in any way, whether it's like, you know, true cryptanalysis or true DDoS or whatever, is an order of magnitude more than the assets that it secures. That's number one. Number two, in 10 years' time, I certainly will, Algorand will certainly uh, need or have, I, I would expect, of course, because we're planning to do it next year, um, have a, a quantum resistance. And so if there are computers that are able to run Shor's algorithm or factor, you know, solve the discrete logarithm problem, that we will be uh, immune to that because we will have both a post-quantum VRF at the heart of consensus and indeed a post-quantum signature scheme for transactions. And so I would like to think that Algorand in, in that time frame certainly will be uh, quantum resistant. Um, that it has a thriving community of developers and users that is as close to how Linux currently looks uh, as possible, which I think is organic, grassroots-led, and that also, and this is the final one I'll say, that beyond being an asset that was speculatively interesting for people, that it's also, as I think it's starting to do with things like Hasabe, sorry, Hasabe, AgroToken, uh, you know, um, TravelX, uh, Lofty, you know, Book.io, I'm wearing the hat of, that it's impactful to people's lives in a positive way. Um, and that, you know, we were part of a project or that, that became a mainstream infrastructure that um, is useful, just like um, HTTPS is, is useful, just like yep. other protocols are useful, like the way we were able to communicate privately. I think these things are, are things that are very important. And so, yeah, that's what I would, that's what I would say. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to to following Algorand on that journey. I'm looking forward to this year alone. I mean, we, we, we've covered so much. John, the last thing for me to do is thank you very much for coming back onto the show. I really, really enjoy talking to you. You're very much in popular demand every week. I don't think there's a day goes by where someone isn't asking for another John Wood interview. So it's a real pleasure. It always is a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much, John. My absolute pleasure. And I hope to be back on. I'm sure we'll facilitate that. Thank you. And yeah. All the best.